we're continuing through our, our, our sermon series in the book of John, the gospel of John, uh, the good news of, of the story of Jesus written by this dude named John. And we're in John chapter 16. So if you have a Bible or Bible apps, we have Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you. Uh, John is in the second half of, of the Bible. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then a book Acts after that. John chapter 16, we're going to be in verses uh, 16 through 22 here today. If you want to, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And while, while you're turning there, I'm going to kind of set up today's, today's message. <clears throat> it was about four and a half years ago. And uh, I, I, I'll never forget, I hope I never forget this, um, only because it led me to encounter Jesus in a profound way in my own life. But four and a half years ago, I found myself in the hallway of our house, sitting on the floor, with my head in my hands. And what I consider at this point in time in my life the darkest time of my life filled my body just filled with anxiety and discouragement and in a situation in our lives where I was asking the question when will this ever end what have we gotten into with just absolute discouragement my world was Dark, and it had no light at the end of the tunnel. At the end of the tunnel, some of you may have been in places like that before as well. And and the power of that darkness, and your sorrow, and your discouragement, and it feels like this is never going to end. This is so overwhelming. It was in this pit that Jesus drew me to to see him on the cross in the midst of hell for you and me, in the midst of the darkest place of all eternity, to see Jesus on the cross and understand the depth of the horror, the hell that Jesus went through for me. And to understand that Jesus didn't just take hell from me. He's also in this hell that I'm in in this moment right now. And it didn't change my circumstances, but it began to change me. And I began to understand this life here and now, this side of heaven. And understand Jesus and his power and his presence for you and me. And my circumstances didn't change for years. But I had light in my darkness. John is revealing to us and showing to us Jesus is light in our darkness. Jesus can bring joy in our sorrow. And in today's passage, we're going to see that, 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 that through Jesus, through the cross, sorrow is truly temporary. But joy, joy is unshakable. It's eternal. But only through Jesus. 
Let's jump in here. John 16. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while. And we will not, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, so they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves, that what I meant by a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. In that day. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself here. A little too excited. Here we go. Bear with me. Let's pray. Jesus. Jesus. We need your spirit to open our hearts. Meet us where we're at, Lord. Jesus, so that we don't hear words on a page. We don't hear a speaker up front, but we see you, Jesus. To encounter you and your joy. God, something so profound that you have for us and you reveal in your word today. God, this isn't something for us to just understand. But God, may we experience. I pray for every single one of my friends here today. Jesus, brothers and sisters, they would experience your joy, Jesus. Let their worlds, their minds, and their hearts just be rattled, God. Be relishing in your goodness, in your beauty, in your glory, God. Holy Spirit, we need you to do a work that we cannot do. In your name, amen. I'm just going to warn you. Usually when I'm a little bit more anxious and a little more jittery, that means I tend to get a little bit more passionate. So bear with me. Hold on to your hair. Hopefully they don't blow it back. For those of you who have some, here we go. As we get into this passage here in John, we're in this long dialogue. Jesus is giving his last words. It's always kind of this intimate time and when, when great leaders are, 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 with their, uh, are with their people, their entourage, their core group uh, uh, that's around them. And, and it's their last words. And how much more the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. These are his last words starting in chapter 13. He's explaining to his disciples and he's, and he's, and he's trying to let them know, I'm going to be leaving you. 
They're thinking, you're the king. We know you. We know you're the long-awaited king who's come to bring freedom, to change our lives. But they don't fully realize what that means. They don't fully understand that he's not just a man. He's actually God and a man. And all that this means, and Jesus is trying to explain, I got to go. And it's better that I do. He's been going on, I don't know how long this, I'm not sure how slow Jesus talks. So this could be like an hour, could be like three hours right now. Not quite sure, but it's been going on for a long time already. And he's repeatedly in different ways said, I'm leaving. I'm going away. It's good for you. You can imagine one of your loved ones spouse or your parents or you know in, in a loving and trusting way you know sometimes we do this as parents like we do pre-teaching right as parents a good practice for us is pre-teach we're going to prepare our kids hey i'm going to be gone i'm going to leave you at home and i want you to know here's the phone here, here's how to call and here's how to be in touch i'm going to be coming back i want you to know this i want you to understand this all right you're going to be alone you're going to be okay all right don't set the house on fire okay stay away from the matches and the lighters, okay? If we're if you just stay right here, just hang out with your books, your toys, you got we're gonna be good. I, I'm gonna be back. This is preaching. This is what Jesus is doing. He's preparing them. I'm gonna leave, but I'm gonna be back. The disciples can't handle it. As we see in the passage here, it's just a little while I'm gonna be gone, and a little while I'm gonna be back. And the disciples are like, What's going on? What does he mean? You've heard it from like if you had kids before, or, or even just even family members, friends, right? The difference between a little while and you're like, it's just gonna be a little while. Well, your definition of a little while is different than my little while, right? You tell our kid, just a second, right? And then they take you literally, like, okay, it's been a second. <laughs> a little while, what does he mean by a little while? What's he talking about? They're confused. He's going to the Father. They, just, they don't have categories for understanding this because they don't fully understand who Jesus is. Isn't that, that happens in our lives. We get confused about what God's doing and who he is because we don't fully yet know and understand who he is and how good of a father he is. Right? That happens in our lives. We get confused. We get discouraged. We, we, we struggle we don't, because we don't fully know and understand who he really is in order to understand what he is doing in relationship with us around us and jesus because he has espn he can read minds i think that's esp not espn but i still like i like espn i like to watch espn it's uh, college football season coming up so there'll be lots of watching espn i confess my idols to you all forgive lord forgive me for my sins <clears throat> he knows what they're thinking. And he speaks to them. He does, if you, read, if you read the Gospels, he does this a lot of different times with people. And he speaks and I know what you're thinking. Verse 20, he says, truly, truly, I say to you. Whenever Jesus says this, it might be verily, verily in different tra- translations. Whenever he, when he says this, he says, listen up. You know, sometimes we do this as parents, like, I need you to look at me, look at me here. This is an important point. Whenever Jesus says this, we want to like dial in, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, listen up. You're going to weep. It's going to get dark. And in fact, the world is going to celebrate this. 
what Jesus is talking about. As he gets in here, there's going to be sorrow in this life. Specifically, there's going to be a specific kind of sorrow. Now, Jesus, Jesus is talking about a specific kind of season that I'm going to expand out to. It's just also analogous to, to, to all Christians. But speaking specifically to the disciples here, the world's going to rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Jesus is preparing them. There is sorrow coming. There is a kind of sorrow that you're going to experience. But this sorrow is temporary. This sorrow isn't going to be the whole story. You need to know this in advance. Be prepared. The sorrow that Jesus is talking about, he's going to die. And again, the disciples could not understand and fathom how this, the king who came to save and bring freedom and to change everything, why did he have to die? No, no king is going to change things by dying because when they're dead, they're dead. But not this king. Not this king. You're going to be sorrowful. You don't understand. And in fact, the world is going to rejoice because the world, this, the world that Jesus is speaking of here, the, the, you, the, the word world as it's used in, in John is this, is this evil empire, if you will. We talked about this several weeks back, this evil empire. It's, it's the corrupted, it's the corruption of sin in this place. It's this corruption that's in our hearts, that's infected all of creation. It causes the evils and the injustices in this world. It's this corruption that sets up us as God. And Jesus is a threat to us being God. This is why the world is going to rejoice. When Jesus goes to the cross and dies, they think the death to the king who claims and makes claims over me, that he should be Lord over me, that he should be my God and my king, and I should worship him, I should follow him, and not do what I want. No, down with that king. I want to be king in my life. And so in that sense, when when Jesus went to the cross, there was much sorrow from his followers and the world, the sense in the spiritual realm, there was this sense of rejoicing that God is dead. But of course we know better, right? Your sorrow, your sorrow is coming, but it will turn to joy. Not only is their sorrow temporary, but Jesus is, is speaking to a truth that in the cross is something that we all experience as followers of Jesus in this life here and now as we wait for him to come back again. The disciples were waiting, discouraged. They they, they spent three days trying to make sense of what what were these past three years with Jesus? What's going on? He's gone. He's dead. And it was darkness. And that sorrow that crept in, they had no category for believing that it would change. This, this darkness and sorrow that we experience in our own personal lives is this, is this embedded with this lie that, that this will not end. This is as good as it gets. 
could get worse. That's something to hope for. Sorrow seeks to to rule us and to infect us and dig deep roots in our minds and our hearts. This is never going to end. Have you been there? I, I know some of you have been there. I know some of you are there right now. While the disciples, it was three days, and Jesus, raised from the dead, comes and reveals himself to them. For us, this side of heaven, we're in this place, what we call in-between. This already Jesus has come, and not yet. He's coming again. We live in a time of crucifixion. We don't see Jesus. We can't, we can't touch. We don't perceive his existence. It's in faith that we know that he is with the Father. And we live in this time of, 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 of sorrow and grief where sin and injustice still exists. We still have sickness. We still have cancer and suffering. We have injustices in our lives, in our communities, even in our homes. There's brokenness. There's sorrow that still is now. In Romans 8, Paul talks about this, how the whole creation, it groans. It's groaning. That's real. Maybe you need to be affirmed in that groaning experience. But there's more. There's more. There's sorrow. We don't see Jesus. We don't know Jesus. But he has come and he's conquered death. There's sorrow mixed with joy now. Sorrow now we know is temporary because he's conquered death. We know that there will be a time when he comes again. And, 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 and the uncertainty of, of, our, of our home and our finances and the conflict and the distance in our relationships and, 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 and the, 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 the health problems And the evil in this world, it's going to end. The sorrow will end. Because he's coming back. A little while, you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will. Truly, truly, listen up. You will be sorrowful. But your sorrow will turn to joy. Not only is our sorrow temporary because of the cross and what Jesus has accomplished, where he went into hell and he stepped into all of hell for us. Also in that place, stepping into our personal hells of suffering to be with us. He conquers it. And Jesus going to the cross is the death of death. The cross was a sign of the end at that time. The cross was a sign of shame. The cross was a sign of something to be avoided and to fear. But Jesus, he transforms that. The cross isn't something that we fear in the more. In, in fact, how many of you have a cross necklace? Or a cross bracelet? Or a cross on your wall? The cross is something we celebrate now, Right? Because Jesus has transformed it. Jesus has changed it. The cross isn't a sign of the end. The cross isn't the sign that there is no more than this life and the sorrow rules and it reigns in our hearts. No, the cross is the sign. It's the sign that joy is coming. Amen? 
And that joy is enduring. As Jesus explains, you will be sorrow, but, sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. If, you, if you're a reader of your Bible and you, you mark it up, you need to circle that but. There are buts in the Bible that need to be highlighted. There's a lot of places I could go with this. I'm really using a lot of self-control right now. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. There's a lot of but gods. But God. There's an interruption that Jesus wants to make in your life. Even now, there is sorrow, but, but, but. It doesn't last. It doesn't rule. It may remain, but it doesn't have to be king. Jesus explains, he's using an illustration here, that joy, he's bringing joy, joy that is unshakable. Oh, joy that can't be taken away from us. Joy that is eternal. Joy is ours in Jesus. And he goes into an illustration to explain this. Ladies, of course, you understand this better. Guys have absolutely no clue. Not a clue. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. I first want to be really sensitive to the fact that there are many stories of infertility and miscarriages, not only in this room, but around. I, I, it is... I've been confronted with this many, many times in many cases in the last several months. And the Lord knows that sorrow. The Lord knows that suffering, that pain, and those empty arms. And he steps into that. He's in that hell with you. And he shares that pain and loss. For those of you who have been given the gift of being able to give birth, those ladies, there's a general principle. And I did, I, I did some research to just kind of follow up, you know, just in terms of the psychology of this and, 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 and to make sure the prevalence of this. And, 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 and based on the research, at least 50% of the women that give birth, that are privileged to be able to give birth to their, to their children, that when they... The pain of the birthing process begins to be washed washed away when they behold that miracle. And they hold that life, that human life in their hands. Something so profound that's bigger than just the fact. It's, it's, the fact is there's a baby. But it's so much bigger than that. For those of you mamas who've experienced this, there are some who've experienced some traumatic births. And there is painful that this isn't exactly uh, true for you. But for those who have had a healthy birth, there's this sense, there's there's this amazing, profound experience of holding that life. What a gift. As you're caught up in this glory, this beauty, the pain. It doesn't mean that the pain didn't happen. It doesn't even remember that you don't remember the pain, but the pain isn't painful. 
in the present because there's joy that's replaced it. That pain was real in the moment. Jesus doesn't deny the reality. He's not saying wash over, pain over that pain, that pain and so ignore it. It's not that big of a deal. No, Jesus doesn't minimize your pain and your suffering. It's real. And he wants to give you more. Just as, as in childbearing and the glory of beholding that beautiful child, the, the, the treasure of holding that child in your arms, that miracle of life, that gift that God has given you, it's, 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 it's transformational. Jesus says, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. For the disciples in their specific situation, they had, they were caught up in fear. After Jesus died, what often happened, because there were other people who claimed to be like Jesus, who claimed to be what was called the Messiah or the King, and uh, uh, it didn't end so well for them. They, they were killed, like beheaded, stabbed, um, violently killed, burned, all those kinds of things. Great stuff, right? The leader was killed, and then the followers were pursued as well. The disciples were a bit concerned about this. They're afraid. They're wondering what's going to happen. Jesus is gone. Their world is just absolutely rattled. And they're also afraid for themselves. And so they're holding up. They're, they're kind of hiding out in one of the homes, in the upper rooms. And they've been doing this for several days. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Jesus walks in. We have this from John. Later, he explains. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors were shut and the disciples were, for the fear of the Jews, uh, <clears throat> the doors were shut for, the fear, for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced. When they saw the Lord. Can you imagine this moment? Dead for three days. The resurrection isn't like a regular happening. In fact, it's never happened. Jesus walks in. He doesn't even come through the door. First off, that's a big deal. All right? He appears. Peace be with you. Imagine what? Like the, the dissonance, like the disbelief, like what's happening here? I'm pretty sure I wasn't taking any drugs. There's no hallucinogenics going on in here. Like, I'm not sure. I'm, what's, is this real? Like, you, you, uh, there's layers that begin to build, right? The, 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 the joy, it's a reality begins to set in of this is Jesus. Like, I saw him die, but he's alive. Like, he's here right now. Peter and John, two day, a day earlier, they he saw the tomb. Like, it's empty. Like, but we know he was in the tomb. Like, their minds are trying to make sense of this. And it's rising. The intensity is rising. And I can only liken it to the Minneapolis miracle. For those of you who are Minnesota Vikings fan, you know Jen Smith, she was there. It was crazy. The place was lit up, right? They rejoiced. Friends, you know what rejoicing means? It means, woo! 
We don't get it. You know, we sing our songs and we're kind of like, Jesus, you're good. Great is thy faithfulness. Like rejoice. Rejoice is cheering. It's celebrating. There's, there's, what happens, like when you hold a child, and even men, you can understand this. Those of you who've been privileged to, to have children or aunts and uncles, that you've held your niece or nephew, that, that, that preciousness of life, there's a glow, there's a glory. When you behold glory, goodness, and beauty, something happens inside of us. It stirs in us something profound, and we can't help. uh, This smile just grows on our face, and we can't help but just give, thank you, wow. Wow comes out of our mouth, unprovoked. This unexpected event on the football field in the last seconds of a game that turns around, and the Vikings, who suck all the time, have a chance to go to the, the NFC championship or AFC. I'm clearly not knowledgeable enough. And people are screaming, yelling, celebrating out of their minds. They rejoice. Guys, Jesus raised from the dead. Can you imagine what's going on in that room? Woo! Woo! Holy cow! This is crazy! This just happened! Jesus is here! What the... Oh, goodness. Settle down, Scott. Settle down. Whoa. I'll cut the caffeine in half next week, guys, just so you know. Guys. We, we, we keep Jesus from giving us so much. There's... Joy, he wants to unleash. Because when we, joy, it, it isn't like happiness. It isn't circumstantially based and it's, and, and, and it's temporary. Joy is dependent on, joy comes from the existence of God himself. As long as God exists, joy exists. You see, because joy is something that's stirred up in us. By beholding, by by relishing, when we see the goodness, the beauty and glory of God, joy is at work within us. Our response is rejoicing. Joy is an experience and it's an expression of beholding and relishing in the beauty, in the goodness, in the glory of God. And, And the disciples saw it in every uninhibited way when Jesus, resurrected from the dead, stands in their presence. And they touch him. And they receive him. And things start to begin to unravel more and more. If Jesus overcame death. Then what does that mean for us? If Jesus, when entering death, he entered hell. He didn't just die. He took the wrath of God, all evil, all injustice. He took everything from all of time. He entered into every personal experience, whether it's abuse, uh, wars, injustice, evil, everything. He entered it all and took it on himself. And he overcame it with the cross in the grave. He's not only present in your sorrow, but he overcame it. Jesus ends in this passage that we'll get to later. He says, I've said these things to you that you may have peace. In this world, you'll have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. 
the joy he offers you and I is unshakable because he is eternal and he never ends. He is the rock. He's our God. He preexisted and he always will exist. And as long as we see Jesus in our hell, what happens is joy. And in that moment on that floor, when I couldn't see and I was hopeless and I was broken, I began to see Jesus on the cross and the darkness and the suffering. And as I beheld him and his love for you and me and us and entering the hell and the space, I saw Jesus not only in hell, but in my hell. And that gave me joy. That gave me hope. I want to end with a testimony here from Johnny Erickson Tata. Some of you who are older may know Johnny And I'll let her share her story. But she's uniquely gifted and able to speak about the power of the cross and the resurrection to make our sorrow temporary and to give us joy unshakable and eternal. Here in the in-between, in the already not yet. She's a quadriplegic and been that way for over 55 years, 57 years, I think, now. And I'm going to let Johnny speak for herself. Just a few weeks after high school graduation, as I was preparing to head off to college, my sister Kathy invited me to go to the beach for a swim. I swam out to this raft, athlete that I was, I didn't even touch bottom, hoisted myself up onto it and then took this really stupid dive into what ended up being extremely shallow water. I snapped my head back when I hit bottom and it crunched my fourth cervical vertebrae, severing my spinal cord. There I was lying face down in the water desperately hoping that my sister Kathy would please notice that I had not surfaced from my dive. Unbeknownst to me, her back was turned to me. She didn't even see me take that dive. But a crab bit her toe. And it so startled her that she quick turned around in the water screaming to me, Johnny, watch out for crabs. And when she did, she saw my blonde hair floating on the surface. I was face down, ready to drown. She came swimming quickly, pulled me up out of the water, and I never, I never was so grateful for fresh air. She saved me. But for what purpose, for what reason? Because now, lying there in a hospital, doctors told me I was going to have to sit down for the rest of my life as a quadriplegic without use of my legs or, or even my hands. My hands don't work. And I remember thinking, God, is this, is this your idea? I'm an answer to a prayer to be drawn closer to you. If it is, you're never going to be trusted with another one of my prayers again. I mean, I'm a new Christian. How could you have taken me so seriously? I sank into deep depression. I remember there were wonderful Christian friends who came to the hospital and they encouraged me. And one Bible verse they shared was from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, but to help you, plans to prosper you and to give you a hopeful future. God, you, you mean you plan not to harm me? Well, what do you call quadriplegia, huh? What's that all about?
As I read that verse and the context around it, I realized something. That when God said that, he was saying it to his children who were being dragged away into captivity by by the Babylonians. They were going to exile. They were going into slavery. They had decades in front of them of hard, awful suffering. And I began to see that God's plans for a hopeful future for me was not necessarily jumping up, dancing, kicking, doing aerobics, running, walking, getting back use of my arms and my legs. No. God's plans for me go far deeper, a deeper healing, a precious healing of the soul. Because as I was pushed into the arms of God every morning, and that's the truth, even to this day, don't be thinking I'm an expert at quadriplegia, but as it was then in the hospital and as it is today, every morning I wake up saying, Jesus, I can't do this thing called life. Please help me. Please show up. Give me your smile. Give me your strength because I can't make it through the day. And because I go to God with that earnest dependency and, and requirement of His grace every single day, I take that back. No, every single moment I experience the sweetest, most precious, most intimate union with Jesus Christ. So in Jeremiah 29, when God says He won't harm us, doesn't mean the body, doesn't mean our circumstances. He's not going to do anything to harm our soul. Yes, our body may get harmed, but it will somehow serve to enrich our soul. In closing, let me just say that quadriplegia, 46 years of it, that's a long time. I deal with chronic pain. I, um, I had breast cancer a couple of years ago, and I remember, I remember as my husband was driving me home in the van from chemotherapy one day, we were talking about how suffering is like little splashovers of hell, kind of like waking us up out of our spiritual slumber. And then we, we pulled in the driveway and he said, well, then what do you think splashovers of heaven are? Are they those easy, breezy, bright times where everything's going your way, where you have health? And we said, no. Splashovers of heaven are finding Jesus in your splashover of hell. And to find Jesus in your hell is ecstasy beyond compare. And I wouldn't trade it for any amount of walking in this world. To find Jesus in your hell is ecstasy beyond compare. My prayer, friends, that today that we can have that shift, not just mentally, but experientially, of joy that cannot be taken away because we behold Jesus, the beauty, the glory, the goodness of God, especially in our hells, here and now. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I ask, Lord, that, that as, as hearts have been stirred up even now, Jesus, just to consider uh, people's circumstances and just wondering, Lord, how, how, do you, how I can't see you. How does this apply to me? Lord, that discouragement just all of a sudden is now really fresh. It's, it's very, very powerful and profound. And just pray for your, your grace to speak to my brothers and sisters. My Lord God, 
your, your daughters, your sons. Lord, to show yourself with them. Show yourself, Lord God, particularly you proved it empirically, factually, but historically coming and dying on the cross. In the cross, that you stepped into all hell, personal and judicial before God. We look to the cross to see you standing in our hell with us, God. And I pray for your grace to meet, meet my brothers and sisters here now, even myself, God. Lord, where we're tempted with the thoughts of this will never end. How long, oh Lord? Lord God, let us release our expectations for this, this, the sorrow to end. But God, let us take hold of the expectation for joy to begin and the joy to live in us, Jesus. In your name.